for healthcare workers, it's about protecting themselves from infection. It's about protecting those that they look after. I think one thing that is really important to understand about both the flu and the COVID vaccine is that unfortunately it doesn't actually work as effectively in some of the highest risk groups, so such as immunocompromised patients, patients receiving chemotherapy, adults over 80. So even if these groups are vaccinated and in hospital, they may still get COVID or flu. So it's really important that the people looking after them are vaccinated as well. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing podcast. My name is Fergal Fox and I'm delighted to welcome two experts to the podcast today to discuss and explain the COVID and flu vaccines and answer lots of questions which have been sent into us. Before we get stuck into it all, I'd like to remind you that if you'd like to get in touch with us about the podcast, please send us an email at healthandwellbeing.communications at hse.e and that email address is in the podcast information wherever you're listening to this. And please, if you can help us spread the word about the podcast, please share it with a friend, colleague or family member that you think may be interested in it. So today we're talking about COVID-19 and the flu vaccines, and we're lucky to be able to draw on experts from a wide variety of areas. And today I'd like to welcome Dr. Sarah Gagan, Clinical Lead of the National Immunisation Advisory Committee, and Gillian Buggy, Regional Flu Lead for Southeast Community Healthcare. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. So if we start with you, Sarah, so you're working with the National Immunisation Advisory Committee. Can you tell us at a very basic level, how does vaccination work? So vaccines essentially work through mimicking infection. So when a person receives a vaccine, their body thinks that they've encountered the infection and it mounts a response, an immune response to that infection. And then when they do go on to truly encounter the infection, their immune system is ready and and can very quickly fight the infection. And in the case of some vaccines, it will prevent them getting the infection altogether. And in the case of other vaccines, it will prevent them getting the severe consequences of the infection. So vaccines have been around for a long, long time. And I suppose in the health service, where I think we've been used to getting and been kind of advised to take the flu vaccine for a good few years now, haven't we? Absolutely. Yeah. So the flu vaccine is recommended for all healthcare workers. And this is because the flu vaccine protects the healthcare workers themselves and also pr- protects their patients. And Gillian can speak a little bit more around that as well. And I suppose the flu vaccine is around for more than 60 years. So we know it's a really safe vaccine. Um, So people are familiar with getting the vaccine every year. And we know when healthcare workers become vaccinated with the flu, if they get it in one year, they're more inclined to come back every year to get the vaccine. So it's really important, I think, for healthcare workers who work with the most vulnerable to get the flu vaccine and the COVID vaccine, mind you, every year. And we've heard so much about the COVID vaccine in recent years because that really kept the health system open, didn't it? Like a, a recent report from the Health Protection Surveillance Centre kind of estimated that the COVID vaccine vaccination programme prevented 16,000 deaths and over 100,000 hospitalizations. It's unbelievable numbers. But we all can remember when our health services were in danger of being overwhelmed by COVID, can't we? That, the vaccination programme, that's, that's what we had. That was our key weapon, wasn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, we all remember what it was like at the beginning of the pandemic and then how we felt when there finally was a vaccine and when a vaccine, a really safe and effective vaccine was developed so quickly. And it is great to see a report like this come out that really highlights the benefits of the vaccine. So the flu and the COVID vaccine, they've changed in recent years. Can you can you tell us like why they've changed? Why is the COVID vaccine different now? 
Yeah, so I can take the COVID vaccine first. So the COVID virus, as most people will be aware, unfortunately, is a very clever virus that can change very quickly. So people will remember over the course of the pandemic hearing names like Delta, Omicron, all these different waves of the virus. Yeah, And we've learned with COVID-19 that we have to change the vaccine, adapt the vaccine to target the strains that are circulating. So for that reason, this season, we again have a new adapted COVID-19 vaccine targeting the, the strains that are circulating. It's a similar thing for flu, really. Um, so every year we have changes in the flu vaccine. How we decide what goes into the flu vaccine each year is determined actually by a meeting first by a WHO expert advisory group in the preceding February um, and then a follow on meeting at the EU level. Um, All right. And they, this group try very hard to predict what the four most common circulating strains will be so that we have the right vaccine for every season. And it, a very similar process happened this year with the COVID-19 vaccines. A WHO expert group met in May and um, looked at what was circulating at the time and recommended that the vaccines be changed. And do the both vaccines then are, are designed specifically to meet the current strain? Absolutely. But because obviously you have to um, you have to choose what strains should go in ahead of the season, there can then be additional changes. Um, And people may have questions around that, particularly around the COVID-19 vaccine. You know, does the vaccine we're giving right now match the current strain? And I think the good news around that is that the current circulating strains in Ireland, we keep a really close eye on that. Um, are all very close variations of the strain that the vaccine is protecting against. And so we believe that the current vaccine will protect people against severe consequences of the virus. That's very reassuring. Yeah, and I suppose um, with the flu vaccine as well, we use the quadrivalent vaccine. So we have one injectable vaccine um, that we're using in Ireland at the moment, and there's four strains of flu in that. We used to use a trivalent with three strains, but now we're using the quadrivalent. So it has two A strains of flu and two B. And like we're in the Northern Hemisphere, so we look at the Southern Hemisphere, the World Health Organization, when they're picking the strains that are going to be dominantly circulating. Now, we won't always get the match, you know, 100% right. But even if you have the vaccine and we and you get this, a strain of the flu, you do have an element of protection from ICU from being hospitalised with the flu. So it's really, really important to get the vaccine every year. Both those vaccines work in the same way that you mentioned at the start then. They're both kind of giving us something to help our bodies prepare for the worst case scenario of getting that strain. Yeah, that's exactly it. They both mimic infection. It's just how they work is slightly different. So with the flu vaccine that Gillian was just describing, what's inside the flu vaccine is proteins of the strain that have been purified and put inside the vaccine so then they can trigger an immune response. The most common COVID-19 vaccine we use are mRNA or messenger RNA vaccines. People will have heard a lot about these during the pandemic. And what's in these vaccines is essentially a kind of a blueprint or a code that tells our immune system to produce a protein that's on the COVID-19 virus. And then our immune system has a response to that protein. Okay, that sounds simple. (laughs) Simple and complicated at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it is. So one of the key messages from you know, that we're trying to share with the audience today is, you know, getting these vaccines, especially if you're in a vulnerable group, especially if you're a healthcare worker. But I suppose some of those vulnerable groups and healthcare workers there, I think there's a good bit of adherence to the, the flu vaccine in previous years before COVID. But some people may think that COVID is gone now. 
they may not think they need a COVID vaccine as well. Do you think that's an issue that we, you know, we need to highlight for people? Yeah, I think it's really important because I think you know, obviously things with COVID have changed, thankfully. You know, when the pandemic first started, everybody was at risk yeah. and everybody was at risk of severe disease. And now, thankfully, thanks to vaccination and population immunity, there are some groups that are at lower risk. And that's why, for example, we don't recommend, although anybody can get it that would like to, we don't recommend it for healthy younger adults at present, the COVID vaccine. Um, but we know that for at-risk groups, older age um, in particular, they are still at risk regardless of vaccination, regardless of previous infection of hospitalisation and ICU admissions. And it's really important that they get their vaccine. So one of the things that you've mentioned a good few times, guys, is this, that immunocompromised are vulnerable people. And, you know, when I'm reading this information, I see that you're targeting a couple of age groups, you're targeting a couple of settings, like healthcare settings in particular. But immunocompromised or vulnerability across any age I suppose, is a priority for vaccination of both of these, right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So for flu and COVID vaccine, for immunocompromised and for other conditions that put, make them vulnerable, it, they're recommended to get the flu and, and COVID vaccine regardless of their age. The only caveat to that is we still don't have vaccines for children under six months. But once they're over six months and if they're vulnerable, it's recommended for them. And I suppose the other important thing that I think Gillian may have mentioned already is that we recommend that family members of immunocompromised patients get the vaccine so that they can protect their goes back the members to that, of their family. N- that network that you're in. The network has to be a protective network, doesn't it? It can't be a damaging or a risky network. That's it. Absolutely. So Gillian, you work in the community trying to promote these vaccines. How do you go about doing that? Okay, so we promote um, the vaccines, I suppose, among the healthcare workers primarily, but to all the population because it's very important. So the uh, the at-risk groups for flu would be like the older population because their immune system, you know, wouldn't respond as well. And the healthcare workers around them, it's very important that they are also vaccinated. We recommend the flu vaccine for children aged 2 to 12 and that's the nasal flu vaccine and that's widely available between um, from the GPs and pharmacies. And also, I suppose there's a programme at the moment going into schools to administer to certain age groups in the schools, the nasal vaccine. That's really important. And the 12 to 17 year olds, children in the at-risk groups are entitled to the free nasal vaccine. And people with underlying health conditions, we promote the vaccine to those at-risk groups and people with um, lower immune system, you know, who are immunocompromised, really. That's really important. In relation to the COVID vaccine, it's anybody over aged 50. It's anybody, again, with the underlying health condition healthcare workers um, and it's anybody who's immunocompromised they're really important risk groups Yeah, I I think it's an important thing to say with like there's a lot of groups that you just mentioned there and uh, one of the issues that I see is that people are kind of becoming a bit blind to the notices or the posters or the information that's out there about these vaccination schemes and you know if you can just be a bit more alert these are available in your area through you know widespread means or as you mentioned there pharmacy, doctor or healthcare workers, you know, there's there's some on-site peer programmes available, isn't there? I suppose at the moment we promote um, through all routes so you can get your vaccine if you're a healthcare worker through your GP, your pharmacy. And we're running a lot of clinics, um, mobile clinics out in primary care centres, in residential facilities. And also we do have a peer, a very strong peer vaccination programme. And that's a programme where the nurses on site in the residential facilities will train up and they will become peer vaccinators so they can vaccinate for flu for their peers, you know, so the colleagues that they work with 
it. They have to do some education around that. They have to be trained in anaphylaxis and their BLS has to be up to date. And once they have that training, then they do the seasonal peer vaccination training online every year. They keep all their other education up to date and they can administer the vaccine to their colleagues. It works really well because I suppose people who are working in residential facilities, it's a 24 hour service. Their peer vaccinators are on site a lot of the time. They can go and ask for the vaccination when it suits them. Some people mightn't work five day week. They may only work part time. They might work night duty. So they can link in with their peer vaccinators. And once there's two of them together, they can administer the vaccine. So it makes it really accessible. And we know all the research shows that if you bring the vaccine to the healthcare workers, there's a much better uptake because people are too busy in their jobs and they don't get to leave the building and go next door to even get the vaccine. But if you can bring it to the ward, to the, the healthcare workers, and that does work really well. I've seen that happen on, on, in Tullamore Hospital where I'm based and it really, you know, like it's so convenient, you know, for staff, including Yes, myself, and it's about making it very convenient. Yeah, yeah, they're coming to you. You'd be foolish to refuse it then, you know, like I've made a habit of getting the, you know, the, the flu jab pre-COVID and, you know, it, it's such a relief to you, you know, not because invariably you will get sick. Like these things are circulating so widely in the community. Um, especially when you have children. You're and it's not yeah. just about protecting yourself. It's no. about protecting who you're looking after and your own family. You might um, have your parents over 65. You might have very young children. So you don't want to bring these viruses home. But even with all, I suppose, the ways of getting the vaccine and there is multiple opportunities, you know, healthcare workers are not taking up on all of those opportunities. They really should because we know it's so important. And I know maybe they've got a lot of vaccines over the last few years that we're not used to, but it's really, really important that uh, the vaccines wane over time, especially, you know, the COVID vaccine, you do need to be boosted as recommended by a NIAC. Um, And also with the flu vaccine, you do have to get it every year. So, you know, it's really important that you keep up to date and that you plan ahead for the winter and have these vaccines when they're available. Yeah, I think it's appropriate. Now, we we, we got some questions sent in from healthcare workers, you know, and obviously the healthcare workers, you know, that's a huge expanse of people. You know, I mean, the health service is the biggest organization of organizations in the country. So there's a broad spectrum of people. Sometimes I think when people hear healthcare workers, they think of a nurse and, you know, or a doc, you know, they don't think of so many disciplines doing so many things in a hospital or in a care setting or primary care community. It's just so broad. But one of the questions, I suppose, and it kind of relates to your point there is that, you know, COVID is gone. I got my vaccine when COVID was here, you know, why should I bother now? You know, that they, they want to put it in the back rear view mirror. They don't want to think of that. You know. I suppose COVID is, isn't yeah. gone. No, That's the thing. And we do see it. The there. pandemic is, 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 is maybe over, but like we still have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fortunately, it's COVID's not gone and flu is never gone. Flu comes every season and it's just it's so important. And I understand this fatigue. I understand yeah. this feeling after everything that everyone's gone through. But for healthcare workers, it's it's, you know, it's about, as Gillian said, it's about protecting themselves from infection. It's about protecting those that they look after. I think one thing that is really important to understand about both the flu and the COVID vaccine is that unfortunately it doesn't actually work as effectively in some of the highest risk groups. So such as immunocompromised patients, patients receiving chemotherapy, adults over 80. So even if these groups are vaccinated and in hospital, they may still get COVID or flu. So it's really important that the people looking after them are vaccinated as well. Right, right, right. That was another question that got sent in. It was kind of like a frustrated question. Like I got the vaccine before COVID and I still got COVID. Thinking from their personal experience, it didn't work for them. 
But it, it did work. They get a breakthrough infection, all right. And that is possible even after being fully vaccinated. Right. You can get a breakthrough infection, but you won't become as sick and you won't end up hospitalised or in ICU. And that's the really, really important point. Now, you can spread the vaccine, you know, you can spread the infection when yeah. you are infected. So you still have to follow the public health guidance about staying at home if you have respiratory symptoms. But it's really important that you realise you won't be as sick. The majority of people will have a very, you know, mild kind of infection if they have their vaccines up to date. And I think just to come in on that that point, because people often wonder that, I think, you know, why did I still get that? There's no point in me getting this. I, I got COVID, I got the vaccine. And the COVID vaccines, we, we know from looking at them now that they don't prevent you getting COVID. But what they do prevent is, as Gillian said, severe infection, which is what you want to prevent. Yeah. We would love if we had a vaccine that prevented COVID altogether. But at present, really, what these vaccines do is they prevent severe infection. Yeah. So following on from that, if if I have the COVID and am I going to get it again or have I kind of increased or decreased my vulnerability for a future infection? You have, I suppose, similar to getting the vaccine. So if you do develop, if you do have COVID, you do get a certain immunity um, for a period of time as well following the infection, similar to have, after having the vaccine. So after a few months, as, after about three months, you do need to be vaccinated again after having COVID because it wanes over time. So that's the minimum period, say, doesn't, afterwards. It doesn't give you much protection then. Three months isn't that long. Well, that's the minimum protection after having COVID. And just to come in on that, so there's been a lot of studies looking at what's called hybrid immunity. Hybrid means that you have had the infection and you've had the vaccine. And they've shown all of these those studies have shown that that's the best form of immunity you can have to COVID. So if you are vaccinated and also develop COVID, you have much better immunity than you are if you are only vaccinated and didn't have COVID or if you only importantly, if you only had COVID infection, but didn't have the vaccine. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I think one of the points that kind of I'm reminded of when you're making your point there, Gillian, earlier about, you know, at risk to others, you know, that the networking that we love to do and the social engagement that we love to do, or even the, the reaching out and supporting people that so many people do, even like health workers in their lay time, in their off time to be supporting neighbours, family and remembering the pandemic, you know, you couldn't leave the house, you couldn't leave the vicinity, you couldn't visit people because of that network risk. And that risk is still there with the flu and people die because the flu. We forget that, you know. Every year, about 200 to 500 every year will die from flu in this country. And in a severe season, it could be up to a thousand. And I know we saw uh, two years there during the pandemic where flu rates were very low. But that's because we had all these protective measures, the social distancing, the hand hygiene, the wearing the mask, staying at home. Um, and we so we know that the evidence is there. If we do the right things, we can reduce the burden of these. So it's really important, though, and I suppose a lot of healthcare workers even are asymptomatic and they can still carry the flu. And that's a really important message because there has been a study done where um, they looked at, um, I suppose, blood samples, serological evidence of healthcare workers carrying um, the flu virus or getting the flu. And I suppose 23 percent of the people they tested had got flu during the year and they didn't like 59 percent of those didn't realise that they had developed the infection during the season. So you can have it and spread it without really knowing and having too many symptoms. So that's a really important point as well because people say I never get the flu so why would I need the vaccine? But people are getting the flu, especially healthcare workers, they're more at risk. So what's the take up like at the moment of COVID vaccines from HSC staff compared to previous vaccines? 
Um, I suppose the flu vaccine is a little bit better than the COVID vaccine at the moment. Maybe it's because it's more familiar and people have been getting it year on year. And we are really encouraging the uptake is not near where we would like to see the uptake of the COVID and flu vaccines for healthcare workers because they're working with the most vulnerable. So I suppose we really have to work with that and encourage, provide the information to the healthcare workers and allow them to make the informed decision. It's nowhere where we would like to see because I suppose we want to see the the flu uptake at 75% of healthcare workers working in residential facilities and at least 50% of the healthcare workers we would like to see vaccinated against the COVID with the COVID vaccine. But we're not near that at the moment, but we're working towards, you know, I suppose, increasing the uptake where we can. Yeah, and I think it's important that people remember that they can get both vaccines together on the same day. Yeah, that seems an unusual approach. Or, and, and I think that's one of the queries came in that, you know, like, am I going to get these on different arms if I go down if like they're offered to me? Is two vaccines in the same day too much? Yeah, um, and I think it's understandable that people wonder about that. And the really good news is that we have now a lot of evidence that it's safe to do that with flu and COVID vaccine. Um, so there's several different clinical trials that showed the safety. So when NIAC were making these recommendations for um, co-administration of the two vaccines together. We looked at lots of safety data that showed that really it is safe to give the two vaccines together. There is a slight increase in in side effects from giving them together, but these are mild, the the same type of side effects that that you would anticipate from any vaccine, maybe a little bit of fatigue, some pain around the the vaccine site, headache. And what what we see in the studies is that that is very slightly increased if you give them together. And then the other question people might have is, could it affect, you know, how the vaccines work? Might one vaccine not work as well if you give the two vaccines at the same time? And when we were looking at making the recommendations at the time, what we had was what's called immunogenicity data, which is just looking at antibody responses in people. So how their immune system responds. But we didn't have real world data. Um, But now the good news is that we also have real world data. There was recently a a really large study from last season looking at over 2 million people and within it there were 600,000 people um, that got the two vaccines at the same time and they looked at flu and COVID hospitalisation and they showed that there was no difference whether you got the vaccines by themselves or whether you got them together. So I think this is really good news that we know that it's both safe and effective to give the two vaccines together because it's so much easier for people to go and get them. People are busy, you know, it's so much easier to go and get them on the same day. Would you get one in each arm? Is that the kind of... Yeah, for the moment we recommend one in each arm. That's really just a practical yeah. um, issue that we, if we know that there might be a little bit more pain at the site, it makes more sense to give give one in each arm than give the two together. If you get the flu vaccine and you're not maybe due the COVID vaccine, you can always come back again. You know, a lot of the clinics are co-aligned and where they're given, they're administering COVID vaccine and flu vaccine. But if you're not entitled to your flu vac- or your COVID vaccine because you may have had a COVID infection, well, then you can wait. You know, you have your flu vaccine and then come back later for your COVID vaccine. That's probably the wisest thing to do. And in terms of these vaccines being available, you know, in up to the public, you mentioned earlier on, Gillian, around where they're available, but your GP and the pharmacy. People forget about the pharmacy being uh, an option, don't they? Sometimes? Absolutely. And there's a pharmacy finder on the HSE website, which will bring you to maybe your local pharmacy to see which ones are administering the vaccine. So, yeah, the pharmacy is really accessible. My father-in-law just made an appointment there a couple of weeks ago and he said, I'm going to the pharmacy. 
getting my my vaccination and GPs are busy, but like the GP is there as well. Oh, absolutely. And lots of people like to go to their GP because yeah. they know the history and all that. Yeah. And they can discuss if they have any concerns. But absolutely, the pharmacy is there as well. And they're doing lots of vaccines. So they're really familiar with um, especially the flu vaccine and they're doing COVID vaccines still. So there is lots of options. So really, if people do want to be vaccinated, even for healthcare workers, there is lots of options. And that's really important, I think, as well, you know, that people do have options because if they can't get to see their GP this week, they can, you know, book in with the pharmacy. I'd just like to add to that around availability. I think it's so important that the vaccine is kind of widely available for people who are busy. And Gillian mentioned before around the flu vaccine for children, you know, the flu vaccine is recommended for for children aged over two. Um, It's a nasal vaccine. So it's, you know, just a spray up up each nostril and it's available for senior infants um, this year in their schools, which is great. I wear a couple of hats. I'm the clinical lead for NIAC, but I'm also a, a pediatrician. I'm a pediatric infectious disease specialist. Um, and I think people sometimes forget that flu causes hospitalization in children every year and ICU admissions. <laughs> Um, and it's just really important that children receive their flu vaccine. And it's really easy to get. My third hat is that I'm a, a mother of a four-year-old and a two-year-old. and That's your first job. And <laughs> my first job, correct. And, you know, like anyone who's working, I sometimes might find it difficult to get to the GP. And I actually took them to my pharmacy on a Saturday and got the flu vaccine for both of them. Um, and I was really struck by how well these two children tolerated this vaccine. Um, you know, they hate it. They used to hate getting COVID tests. Yeah. They hate getting anything up their nose and they went in smiling, came out smiling. So just to remind people that it's a really easy to give, really well tolerated vaccine and really important that children get it this year. And that's really a good point, how easy it is for the children. And we know that, I suppose, if children are vaccinated and where high rates of children are vaccinated, the burden of flu in the community is a lot less. And I know if children, you know, can shed the virus for longer. And I suppose they can be vectors of spreading the virus too, maybe into the older generation, you know, the grandparents and all as well. So it would be really important, you know, to increase the uptake of the children's flu vaccine, which is widely available as well in the GPs and pharmacies. Okay, I'm just going to go back to some of the questions that came in from uh, healthcare workers on this in terms of there was, there's a few questions here on both COVID and flu. Will the COVID vaccine be combined with the flu vaccine in one? Is that in the future? That's a question. So that, that's certainly something that's been looked at. Um, so particularly we mentioned already this messenger RNA yeah. vaccine technology that we use for the COVID vaccines. So there's several companies looking at that for flu with the idea that they could then make a combined flu vaccine. These are in early stage of development. I thought it was uh, the pie in the sky. <laughs> no, uh, very, it's in early stage of development and certainly something that, you know, when we talk about getting the two vaccines together, if you could get them as one vaccine, that would make a lot of sense. There's another healthcare worker email on a series saying is one more important than the other the flu or the COVID-19 like that No I, I don't think we can say that really the symptoms are very similar and I suppose the outcomes can be similar too in that in the fact that they can cause serious illness COVID both COVID and flu so you do need to have the, the flu vaccine for the to protect you against the flu and the COVID vaccine and um, to protect you against COVID so it's really important that the two vaccines receive the two vaccines Yeah it is, it is confusing I think sometimes for parents like few like even some of my children had sore throats in the last 
few weeks and you think, oh my God, what is this now? Like, that's right. A bit and of a cough and a sore throat. I, I think the whole world could be There's a down. lot of viruses circulating yeah. at the, in flu season or yeah. this time of year. I mean, we see RSV, which is respiratory syncytial virus, circulating at very high rates at the moment. That can cause a common cold for us, but for children between one and four, that can cause hospitalizations. We see adenovirus, rhinovirus, um, and the, like the flu virus is at low rates, but in the next few weeks, it could be, become very high. We know COVID is circulating. So we have a lot of viruses to contend with. So we're really lucky to have vaccines for the COVID and the flu. And we don't have vaccines for all of these viruses. So it's really important that we take them when they're available. Yeah, that's the bottom line, isn't it really? Like we don't like we need to appreciate this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one group we haven't mentioned that much is pregnant women. They're another important at-risk group for both flu and COVID. You know, we know that pregnant women are more at risk of, of getting sick with both viruses. And it's really important that, that they get the vaccine. And then both vaccines can also go on to protect their baby in the first few months of life. So it's like a double effect. And I suppose we need to appreciate how good and how effective vaccines are. And I suppose the World Health Organization would say that they're one of the greatest achievements that we have um, after clean water, really, you know, to protect us. It has been a fundamental, hasn't it? Like, you know, like we forget where we've come from. And lots of illness has been eradicated because of vaccines. So maybe we're victims of our own success in that way. Yeah. It's it's unusual, like, because, or it's not unusual, but like when you think about it, like vaccines, you know, before you leave hospital, when you're in national school, you know, like it, it, there's so many vaccines been normalized as like standard. Nobody questions them. And COVID, you know, a lot of people questioned it and, and uh, said, you know, even people that, that had all those vaccines before for loads of different things think, oh, no, COVID, I won't take that vaccine. You yeah. Know. And look at how excited people were when we did get the vaccine, because I, I worked as an operations lead in one of the vaccination centres and um, people were so excited. They were queuing, you know, the queues were huge. People were so excited to be vaccinated. They could get their life back, especially in the older population, the over 65s. It was the first time that they could go out again to mix with people. And um, they were so restricted. And I think they're so serious about vaccination when they get to that age and they've seen the consequences as well that they had to stay at home you know I suppose we can't forget those things you know but I think sometimes the people that were raised in the 40s and 50s and 60s even appreciate what a vaccine is doing because they're more fundamental like you, you just said there it's the biggest thing since clean water they appreciate that you know maybe modern we don't Maybe that's it. You know, that yeah. we need to see but we this can't as a forget. We yeah. can't forget the last few years as well. And people will remember, especially healthcare workers who worked in the hospitals and in the nursing homes where there was, uh, there, was a, there was deaths, you know, people that would have all been familiar. They may have lost some colleagues, you know, due to a virus. So it's really important that we don't lose sight of the important things that we can do to protect, you know, our vulnerable population. In relation to pregnant women, what we said there about getting the both uh, vaccines. It's it's safe for pregnant women as well. It's no, there's no difference. Yeah, we've no reason to think that they, they can't get them together. Obviously, like Gillian said, you do have to look at when you've most recently had COVID and things like that in okay. terms of when you can have the COVID vaccine. Um, just looking back on these questions here, um, how do we know that healthcare workers are more at risk of getting flu or COVID? Okay, well, I suppose we know that they're more at risk because they're working with the population that have these viruses. Okay, they're more likely to come in contact. Yeah, and I suppose the research has shown like that um, healthcare workers ten times more likely to pick up flu because of the nature of their work. They're working in environments where these um, viruses are circulating. They're working with people who have blunted immune responses, maybe the older population, 
And I suppose we can see from absenteeism as well that people are getting sick from the flu every year and from COVID. And I suppose there was a lot of records kept of um, healthcare worker absenteeism from COVID during the pandemic. And we know that healthcare workers are picking up these uh, viruses. Yeah, so it's 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 for healthcare workers, it's double prong. Like they want to protect themselves, they want to protect their colleagues, they want to protect their patients. But also the service falls down if we don't have people to man the service. Absolutely. And yeah, when it's really, um, I suppose, a, a very busy service, especially in the winter, if these viruses circulating, if staff are out sick, that can cause, you know, a huge burden on the health service. And that's something we really need to avoid, because if you're very sick, you want to be able to access the health service. You know, I suppose it's so important and we do want to be holding up the service with a preventable viruses that we could um, protect, you know healthcare workers and our residents and service users, really, and the whole population. Um, another question for you here, guys. What's the difference between the versions of the Pfizer vaccine, for example? Yeah, so I think what that question is probably around is around the newly adapted vaccines. So the current Pfizer vaccine that's been given in Ireland is known as the XBB 1.5 and those uh, letters and numbers just refer to the strain that the vaccine targets and that's the most adapted, most up-to-date version of the vaccine. Um, and that's what will be given to you if you're recommended a COVID vaccine. There is one other type of COVID vaccine, the Novavax vaccine that will be coming available very shortly for those very few people in the population that unfortunately have had a very severe allergic reaction to a messenger RNA vaccine, so can't get it. So it is great news that we do have a vaccine for everybody, but the majority of people will get the, the Pfizer vaccine. Okay, there seems to be so much of your work dealing with research and looking at studies from around the world. is, is like it's a huge focus, isn't it? Absolutely. So NIAC continuously reviews evidence. So when we make a recommendation, that process is very involved. You know, obviously we review all of the evidence and as a, an independent committee, we then decide on the recommendations, but it doesn't stop there. There's then continuous review to make sure that those recommendations are up to date and current. And that's incredibly important with COVID because things change continuously. And even though, you know, the pandemic is now over, things are still changing with COVID. And so we have to continuously, even to give you an example for these autumn recommendations, we would have first made those recommendations in March. In the summer, we did another formal a review of the recommendations. We did a, a further review in the late summer and every week we rediscuss the recommendations. We relook at what's going on in order to make sure that we're making the absolute right recommendations for everybody in Ireland. Okay, that's very reassuring. Thanks. I wanted to highlight one of the things that you mentioned earlier on, Gillian, about the, the training for healthcare staff. And there is a training course on HSE land where healthcare staff can access to learn a bit about the, it's called the flu and COVID-19 vaccines for healthcare workers, protect yourself, protect others. And that's a 15 minute online course. And so we're advising healthcare staff to... Absolutely. We're advising all healthcare staff to do it. It's really good, really informative. It has a few facts to give out. Um, and it has a real life experience of um, a healthcare worker as well in that 15 minutes. It's only 15 minutes, but you do get a lot of information. It's really good. And I do recommend it for all healthcare workers. Okay, so we'll put that link in the podcast information as well. Uh, Gillian, your job is about promoting the uptake of the vaccines, like you were saying, but and there's a lot of people out there doing the same in different sites, healthcare sites across the country, isn't there? 
That's right. So I look after a lot of the residential sites. So that's older persons, mental health and disability residential sites in the southeast. And also, I suppose we kind of work, we have a group like that would involve the acute and the community areas, really. We had a conference there in September and one of the areas that did really well, they got the highest uptake in the country was University Hospital Washford. And uh, one of their flu champions presented the conference and kind of the highest rate of, of staff. With the flu vaccine last year. Yeah. Yeah. So they got 89% uptake, which was phenomenal, you know, in a a big hospital. So they um, discussed, I suppose, at our conference ways that they did that. Their tactics and secret sauce. Yes, and it was really good and really informative. We could all take, you know, points from it. But they have a very strong peer vaccination program as well. And they would have two peer vaccinators on all the wards. They would have a a vaccination trolley set up that they bring around. They go to all the staff and, and ask them will they have the vaccine um, I suppose they put out emails every day to say where will I get my vaccine today with the information for people looking for the vaccine they do a lot of weekly meetings um, about um, informing their schedule where they go next they do a communications campaign like we all do like I do a big communications campaign in the South East as well where we look at the posters we look at videos we try everything you know and I suppose the emails where will we get our flu vaccine today is really important as well and uh, there's a link onto to all the areas Areas in the country, you know, the national um, and there's a QR code that uh, people can scan to look where they can get the vaccine in each county in the country, you know. So that's really good um, as well. So if you have that QR code, you just link onto it. You can go to the county that you're in today. You may not necessarily work there, but it'll show you all the clinics for healthcare workers that are available. And as I said earlier on, I think in just my perception is like the information is there, but sometimes we're, we're blind to it or we're pushing it away or putting it on the long finger. And the key message from today is, you know, get it done, get your COVID and your flu vaccine, make a priority of it. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there in your locality trying to get it to you. And there's a lot of information on HSC website about flu vaccine and COVID vaccine. And I think it's really important for healthcare workers to go on there, get their information and make an informed decision. It's the right decision, but they have to get the information first and make that decision themselves. That seems to be a great way to finish it up. I'd like to thank both of you for your contributions today. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another episode of HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing.